Welcome to the Causative Agent Podcast, incredible science stories from the past and present. Episode two, a pox on both your mouses. Two thousand three was a bad year for virus outbreaks. In March, the World Health Organization, or WHO, released a global alert that there were strange cases of pneumonia in China, Vietnam, and Hong Kong. Three days later, on March fifteenth, the WHO released another report. This time, naming the disease: severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS. This disease, some scientists now lovingly call SARS classic. This is a close relative, like a cousin, to the virus that causes COVID nineteen, and it emerged much the same way, because of animal to human transmission in meat markets. SARS classic was much more dangerous, though, having a mortality rate of nine to ten percent, but seemed to transmit much less effectively. By summer two thousand three. The SARS outbreak was over, having infected only eight thousand one hundred and ten people in thirty countries. There were twenty-seven reported cases in the United States with no American deaths. As SARS Classic was dying down, another mystery virus emerged. This time in the Midwest, it would eventually turn out to be monkeypox, the first ever recorded outbreak of monkeypox in the Western Hemisphere. Right here in the United States, a SARS outbreak, then a monkeypox outbreak. Sound familiar? <laughs> History, as it seems, has a funny way of repeating itself. But when the first case appeared in two thousand three, monkeypox was the last thing on everyone's mind. On May eleventh, a family from northeastern Wisconsin went to a swap meet. There, they purchased two prairie dogs that were being sold for pets. If you've never seen a prairie dog, they're actually pretty adorable. They're chunky, furry little things, and although not related to dogs at all, they're more like a burrowing ground squirrel, only without the tail. They get their name from a barking type of communication that they use to talk to each other. They live in tightly knit family groups that often cuddle, kiss, and groom each other. Like I said, pretty adorable. Fifteen or twenty of those families will live together in a prairie dog town. Now, as cute as this all sounds, I always recommend against keeping wild animals as pets. First, because they can harbor these unusual diseases. Second, because the wild and exotic animal pet trade is full of terrible stories of animals being trafficked in brutal conditions. And third, since wild animals are, by definition, not domesticated. They are much more likely to bite and scratch, which is exactly what happened to the three-year-old daughter of the family that purchased these prairie dogs. The same day that the family bought these prairie dogs, the animals started to show signs of illness. They had lesions on their skin, and a discharge coming out of their eyes. Two days later, on May thirteenth, the three-year-old was bitten by one of the prairie dogs, and by the next week, she was coming down with fever. Her eyes were swollen, and a red and raised rash appeared on her body. She was hospitalized on May twenty-fourth, but a few days prior to that, on May twentieth, the pet prairie dog died. 
Considering the child was now showing similar skin lesions to the dead prairie dog, an enlarged lymph node from the dead animal was sent to the Marshfield Clinic in Wisconsin for bacterial analysis. They were suspecting something like tularemia, a bacterial infection that can cause disease in wild rodents and sometimes transmits to people. Plague was another consideration. <laughs> yeah, that plague. It's still around, but easily treatable with antibiotics these days. The lab did identify a gram-negative bacteria called Acentobacter, which is often found in soil. Some species can cause some pretty gnarly infections, but in this case, they thought it may have just been a contaminant and not the cause of the girl's disease. Since at this point she was the only sick person, it was chalked up to be an isolated case and maybe not much more investigation was warranted. Until. Mom started to get the same rash. Two days after the three-year-old was hospitalized, her mother started to come down with the same rash. All right, let's pause here and take a moment to describe the rash of monkeypox because this is not an ordinary rash. If you contact the virus from the bite of an animal, often the rash begins near the site of the bite. In other cases, when transmission occurs in a different way, the rash can begin on the face. It spreads to other parts of the body in a centrifugal fashion, meaning that it shows up and predominates on the most distant parts of the body like the hands and the feet. Slowly, it moves towards the center of the body. The rash begins as flat, red, or darkened spots on the skin, and then the spots begin to swell up and rise. They'll start to fill with clear fluid and then pus, and then they burst open. That pus leaks out, and it is full of virus and contagious to others. The burst lesion crusts over with a scab and eventually heals, the rash typically lasts about a week or 10 days, after which the person may have scars or discolorations where each lesion appeared. The rash is uncomfortable, painful, excruciating for some. Some people get lesions inside their mouths. Some people get lesions inside their eyes. Along with the rash, the person may have flu-like symptoms of fever, chills, muscle ache, fatigue, all of these symptoms are signs that your body is fighting off a virus. Mom, however, only had the rash. By the time June rolled around, things got real. On June 2nd, the Marshfield Lab informed the Wisconsin Department of Health that the mother was now sick and that they had identified a pox-like virus from one of her skin lesions. On the 4th, they now knew it was an orthopox virus that was both infecting mom and the prairie dog. The orthopox family contains at least 12 different species of viruses that infect animals and one well-known terror of humans, smallpox. Smallpox, arguably one of the worst diseases of humans, killing over a half a billion people in the 20th century alone, had been declared ex extinct in 1980. Eradicated off the planet, by the hard work of thousands of doctors, nurses, public health officials, and scientists. Armed with a vaccine, they cornered smallpox into smaller and smaller geographic areas by creating circles of immunity around infected people, leaving the virus nowhere to go except to memory. Now I can imagine looking at the electron micrograph pictures of this woman's rash fluid and seeing an orthopox virus was, well, <laughs> My heart would race. However, 
Since smallpox only infects humans, then it couldn't be what was causing this prairie dog's infection. That left the other species in this family, things like cowpox, camelpox, raccoonpox, skunkpox, and monkeypox. On the same day that the folks in the Marshfield lab were nailing down a diagnosis, on the opposite end of the state, another man was in the hospital and was being reported to the Department of Health as having a strange illness. This man was a meat inspector and exotic animal distributor. He told the medical professionals there that on May 18th, he had been bitten and scratched by a prairie dog, prairie dogs that he himself was distributing. By the 23rd of May, a lesion had appeared on his skin near where the prairie dog had bitten him. By the 26th, he was experiencing fever, chills, and swollen lymph nodes, and so he went to his local ER where he was examined and released. Yeah, hindsight being 2020, anyone with wild animal contact and weird skin lesions should probably be given a battery of infectious disease tests, but who knows how much he actually told them about his side hustle. When his symptoms continued to get worse, he went back to the ER, where he was finally hospitalized. By June 3rd, he was identified by the Department of Public Health as being connected to the cases in the northeast part of the state and included in their investigation. Okay, now we have a problem on our hands. On June 6th, samples from the meat inspector were tested by PCR. This is a test that analyzes the DNA of a sample and can identify an exact species, and came back as positive for monkeypox. More alarmingly, other samples were being tested by PCR on June 6th. Monkeypox virus was also discovered in samples from two people connected to a pet store in southeastern Wisconsin. Monkeypox. Where the hell did that come from? Monkeypox was, up until then, only ever seen in a few countries in equatorial Africa, and it wasn't even that common there. How did this random guy in southeastern Wisconsin, or these native prairie dogs get infected with a rare African virus. When they started asking him questions about what he had been doing over the past month, he revealed that he had sold two prairie dogs to a family with a three-year-old at a swap meet in May. Were there other prairie dogs? Did he sell any more to anyone else? Yes, it turns out, quite a lot. This is a good time to mention some things about monkeypox. Like, for example, it is not a virus of monkeys. The naming of viruses is a difficult matter, and often in the past, scientists would name viruses after the person who discovered them or after something interesting about their discovery, like where they were first identified, which sometimes actually has nothing to do with where the virus actually resides. This can cause some confusion, like, Marburg virus. First discovered in Marburg, Germany, the virus doesn't actually typically live in Europe. It was imported there by an infected monkey that was brought in for research purposes from equatorial Africa. Another point of confusion is that monkeypox, also from equatorial Africa, typically doesn't infect monkeys. I mean, it can, but most often it's found in rodents. It was named monkeypox because the first time it was identified by humans was in an infected monkey brought to Copenhagen for research purposes. 
I guess it was a better name than Copenhagen virus. Another point of clarity is that monkeypox is not at all related to chickenpox. The word pox, plural, or pock, singular, refers to a pustulant rash that can be caused by a variety of things. In the olden days, there were several major pock-causing diseases, and since people didn't yet know about viruses or bacteria, they sometimes named diseases after the symptoms it caused. Smallpox caused, you guessed it, smaller-sized pox. And that was in comparison to another common disease called greatpox. Can you guess about the size of those lesions? We now call greatpox syphilis. Well, that leaves us with the chickenpox. There's some debate about where the word chicken comes from, but the story that resonates most with me is that the disease used to actually be called chickenpox, G-I-C-A-N pox. Chicken in Old English meant itchy. Across time, as the language changed, and since most things weren't written down, chickenpox became chickenpox. Smallpox and monkeypox are caused by different viruses in the same family, Chickenpox is caused by a herpes virus, which is not at all related. Syphilis is a bacteria, so completely different. Okay, back to Wisconsin. We know that there are three cases of monkeypox, and the three people are related to each other by the exchange of an infected prairie dog at a swap meet. The investigation, therefore, starts here. That's the link, right? So using backtracing, where you try to connect the dots going backwards in time, and forward tracing, where you try to connect the dots going forward in time, they tried to establish a chain of events so that they could locate the other prairie dogs and the people who contacted them. The meat inspector had bought more than 40 prairie dogs from a dealer outside of Chicago called Phil's Pocket Pets. Pocket Pets is a phrase that refers to little pet animals like hamsters and gerbils. Once he received those prairie dogs, he turned around and sold them to two different pet stores in Wisconsin and at the swap meet where he sold to the three-year-old's family. So, okay, let's go backwards from there. Phil's Pocket Pets. Owned by Phil and Sherry Moberly in Villa Park, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, selling all manner of small animals like chinchillas, mole rats, armadillos, wallabies, and prairie dogs. Phil and his wife kept hundreds of animals in their home and in their store where they sold them to other pet stores and distributors like the meat inspector. When investigators arrived in Villa Park, they discovered that Phil had been housing some 200 prairie dogs when he received a shipment on April 9th of dormice and Gambian pouched rats, also called Gambian giant rats for reasons that you can deduce. That shipment of rats and dormice was part of a much larger importation of animals from Ghana, Africa. Okay, well, there's our African connection. This shipment from Ghana, it turns out, contained 800 live animals. When it landed in Texas, there were Gambian rats, rope squirrels, bushtail porcupines, tree squirrels, striped mice, and dormice. These animals were then sold to five other pet stores or distributors in Texas, one in New Jersey, and one in Iowa. Phil had received his Gambian rats and dormice from the distributor in Iowa. The distributors in Texas and Iowa sold animals to places as far away as Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Japan. Once Phil had received the rats and dormice from Iowa, he slid them into his horde of prairie dogs in the basement of his home. 
This is the exotic pet trade, y'all. The investigators tried their best to identify and collect as many of these 800 animals as possible. Some by then were already dead. Fortunately, there were no human cases of monkeypox and no identified animal cases found in any of the Texan, Iowan, New Jerseyan, or Japanese shipments. Ground zero for this outbreak, it turned out, was Phil's basement. For reasons unknown, it seemed as if this virus found its niche in the sweet spot between the Gambian rats and the prairie dogs that were being held in close proximity in Phil's home. Unbeknownst to Phil, he went ahead and sold those infected, but not yet sick, prairie dogs to people in Illinois, Indiana, Montana, South Carolina, Michigan, and to the meat inspector in Wisconsin. Prairie dogs were recovered from all of those shipments, although not all of the prairie dogs. A man named Eric Staggart, who often cared for the animals in Phil's pocket pets, came down with a weird-looking rash in May. He said it looked like chickenpox, but much more severe. It's thought that Mr. Staggart was probably the first human case of monkeypox ever in America. At the time, though, no one connected the dots, like the literal dots on his skin, to the animals. No one had ever even heard of monkeypox. By mid-May, though, phone calls started coming into Phil from the people he had sold those prairie dogs to. The animals were getting sick. A few days after those phone calls, Phil heard a story about a three-year-old girl getting sick with a mystery disease after being bitten by a prairie dog. So now the alarm bells are going off in Phil's head, right? And he stopped selling those animals. He sent three prairie dogs to Oklahoma to be tested for tularemia. The results were negative, but he decided to go ahead and euthanize the remaining 70 prairie dogs that were still in the basement of his home. He had already sold 130 by that time. Investigators, now, had zeroed in on Phil's pocket pets. Fearing the virus may have spread to some of the other animals in his establishment, all 578 animals, including hamsters, mice, chinchilla, and others, were quarantined and Phil's business was closed on June 4th. Phil was given two choices. Euthanize all the animals in his care, whether they eventually turned out to be infected or not, or kill a select few that were most likely exposed and quarantine the rest for six weeks. Meanwhile, shipments of animals are still arriving. Since he was under a mandatory quarantine, he could still receive animals, but he couldn't sell them. They started to pile up in his home. A few days later, by June 7th, the human case count was up to 17. The original meat inspector and now his wife, the three members of the family he sold to at the swap meet, plus eight more people that he had sold prairie dogs to, two veterinarians that had treated sick pet prairie dogs, and someone who had purchased a prairie dog from a pet shop and her house guest. The clock was ticking on investigators to round up all these animals before more human cases started to appear. By July, 93 of the 130 purchased prairie dogs had been traced to six different states. Of the original 800 animals shipped from Ghana, 584 were able to be traced. The rest could not be located due to the fact that no records of their movements were ever kept. Unfortunately, this is often the, the case in the exotic animal trade, and one of the reasons that the United States has since cracked down on importations of animals from overseas, although certainly a robust black market still exists. By the end of July, the outbreak was over, 
and there were 72 suspected or confirmed human cases of monkeypox in Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, and Montana. One person who had contracted it in Montana then went back to Kansas, and that's where their, their illness was discovered. While human-to-human transmission can't be ruled out, all 72 of these people had exposure to an animal, leading investigators to believe that it was mostly, if not entirely, a zoonotic or animal-to-human transmission cycle. Now that all the epidemiological investigations are complete, the record stands at 47 cases of monkeypox from Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, Ohio, and Wisconsin. This is a smaller number than the original 72 because it includes only the people who met the specific criteria for inclusion in the final analysis. The comparison between the 2003 American outbreak and the one that we're dealing with now in 2022 is stark. Why was the virus so easily contained in 2003? Why was there no obvious person-to-person transmission when now it seems it's only person-to-person? There are some theories, but most likely we'll have to wait for any definitive answers. One tantalizing clue, however, comes from a genetic analysis of the monkeypox outbreak that occurred in Nigeria in 2018 and 2019. One of the earliest cluster of cases in the 2022 outbreak was in the United Kingdom and can be traced to a person who had traveled to the UK from Nigeria. Now, monkeypox is endemic in Nigeria, but only caused a very small number of human outbreaks. From 1971 to 1978, there were only 10 reported human cases in Nigeria, and then it disappeared for 39 years until it reappeared in 2017. Now, that outbreak was the largest ever seen in humans, with 118 human cases. Over the next few years, 558 total human cases were reported in Nigeria. It's thought that this particular variant of monkeypox improved its ability to spread from person to person. The virus that the world is dealing with now seems to be a descendant of the one that caused that large Nigerian outbreak. Only. It has even more mutations now. It's gaining traction in the human population. Why? Well, one, that's what viruses do. They find a new niche and they exploit it. Since humans are encroaching on the last remaining wild areas of land, we are coming into contact with wild animals even more. With that contact, animal viruses are bound to enter the human population with an increasing frequency. With more and more humans moving around the planet and distant countries just a day's plane flight away, those viruses are on the move. When a virus finds a new host, it either fails to adapt to that new host and disappears, or it successfully adapts and establishes itself. Second, humans are now setting themselves up as much better hosts for monkeypox infection than we were in the past. Up until a few decades ago, most humans around the world were vaccinated for smallpox. Since smallpox and monkeypox are so closely related, the smallpox vaccine also provides some protection against monkeypox infection as well. The current Genius vaccine that's being distributed is actually a smallpox vaccine that also happens to be approved to prevent monkeypox. Routine smallpox vaccination in America stopped in 1972, since it had been many, many years since there was smallpox in the Americas. When smallpox was declared extinct in 1980 worldwide, 
Countries around the world shortly after stopped vaccinating people for smallpox. Worldwide, most smallpox vaccinations stopped in 1984. Anyone born after that would have been susceptible to both smallpox and monkeypox. By eradicating smallpox and quitting routine vaccination, we created an entire generation of humans that are now susceptible to monkeypox infection in a way that their parents and grandparents were not. One of the greatest accomplishments of medical history, the eradication of one virus, may have in fact paved the way for an entirely new disease. <laughs>